From William Patterson University, WPSC presents an adaptation of the 1941 radio play The Hitchhiker by Lucille Fletcher. I'm in an auto camp on Route 66, just west of Gallup, New Mexico. If I tell it, perhaps it'll help me. Keep me from going... going crazy. I gotta tell this quickly. I'm not crazy now. I feel perfectly well, except that I'm running a slight temperature. My name is Ronald Adams. I'm 36 years of age, unmarried, tall, dark, with a black mustache. I drive a 1940 Buick. License number 6Y175189. I was born in Brooklyn. All this I know. I know that I'm at this moment perfectly sane. That it's not me who's gone mad, but something else. Something utterly beyond my control. I've got to speak quickly. At any minute, the link may break. This may be the last thing I ever tell on Earth. The last night I ever see the stars. Six days ago, I left Brooklyn to drive to California. Goodbye, son. Good luck to you, my boy. Goodbye, mother. Here, give me a kiss. Then I'll go. I'll come out with you to the car. Oh, no. It's raining. Stay here at the door. <laughs> hey. <laughs> hey, what's this? Tears? I thought you promised me you wouldn't cry. I I know, my dear. I, I'm sorry, but I do hate to see you go. <laughs> mother, I'll be back. I'll only be on the coast for three months. Oh, it isn't that. It's, it's just the trip. Ronald, I wish you weren't driving. Oh, mother. There you go again. People do it every day. I know, but... You'll be careful, won't you? Promise me you'll be extra careful. Don't fall asleep or drive fast or pick up any strangers on the road. Gosh, you'd think I was still 17 to hear you talk. And wire me as soon as you get to Hollywood. Of course. Won't you, son? Of course I will. Don't worry. There isn't anything going to happen. It's just eight days of perfectly simple driving on smooth, decent, civilized roads with a hot dog or a hamburger stand every ten miles. I was fine in spirits. The drive ahead of me, even the loneliness, seemed like a lark. But I reckoned without him. Crossing the Brooklyn Bridge that morning in the rain, I saw a man leaning against the cables. He seemed to be waiting for a lift. There were spots of fresh rain on his shoulders. He was carrying a cheap overnight bag in one hand. He was thin, nondescript, with a cap pulled over his eyes. I would have forgotten him completely, except that just an hour later, while crossing the Pulaski Skyway over the Jersey Flats, I saw him again. At least he looked like the same person. He was standing now with one thumb pointing west. I couldn't figure it out how he got there, but I thought probably one of these fast trucks had picked him up beat me to the skyway and let him off. I didn't stop for him. Then late that night, I saw him again. It was on the new Pennsylvania Turnpike between Harrisburg and Pittsburgh. It's 265 miles long with a very high speed limit. I was just slowing down for one of the tunnels when I saw him, standing under an arc light by the side of the road. I could see him quite distinctly, the bag, the cap, even the spots of fresh rain splattered over his shoulders. He hallowed at me this time. Hello? Hello? I stepped on the gas like a shot. 
It's lonely country all through the Alleghenies. I had no intention of stopping. Besides, the coincidences or whatever it was gave me the willies. I stopped at the next gas station. Yes, sir. Uh, fill her up. Certainly, sir. Check your oil, sir. No, thanks. Nice night, isn't it? Yes. It hasn't been raining here recently, has it? Not a drop of rain all week. Oh. Oh, uh, I suppose that hasn't done your business any harm. Oh, people drive through here all kinds of weather. Mostly business, you know. There aren't many pleasure cars out on the turnpike this season of the year. I suppose not. What, uh, what, what about the hitchhikers? <laughs> hitchhikers? Here? What's the matter? Don't you ever see any? Not much. If we did, it'd be a sight for sore eyes. Why? Oh, a guy'd be a fool who started out to hitch rides on this road. Look at it. Then you, you've never seen anybody? No. Maybe they get the lift before the turnpike starts. I mean, you know, just before the toll house. But then it'd be a mighty long ride. Most cars wouldn't want to pick up a guy for that long a ride. And, you know, this is pretty lonesome country here. Mountains and woods. You ain't seen anybody like that, have you? Oh, no, 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 no. Not, not at all. I was just, uh, just a technical question. Oh, I see. Well, that'll be just a dollar forty-nine with the tax. The thing gradually passed through my mind as sheer coincidence. I had a good night's sleep in Pittsburgh. I didn't think about the man at all next day until, till just outside of Zanesville, Ohio, I saw him again. It was a bright, sunshiny afternoon. The peaceful Ohio fields, brown with the autumn stubble, lay dreaming in the golden light, and I was driving slowly, drinking it in when the road suddenly ended in a detour. In front of the barrier, he was standing. Let me explain about his appearance before I go on. He was as drab as a mud fence, nor was his attitude menacing. He merely stood there, waiting, almost drooping a little, the cheap overnight bag in his hand. He looked as though he'd been waiting there for hours, and he looked up, he hailed me. He started to walk forward, No, no, not now, sorry. Going to California? No, 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 not today, the other way. Sorry, going to New York, sorry. After I got the car back on the road again, I felt like a fool. Yet the thought of picking him up, of having him sit beside me was somehow unbearable. At the same time, I felt more than ever unspeakably alone. Hour after hour went by. The fields, the towns, ticked off one by one. The light changed. I knew now that I was going to see him again. And though I dreaded the sight, I caught myself searching the side of the road, waiting for him to appear. Yeah, what is it? What do you want? You, you sell sandwiches and pop here, don't you? Yeah, we do in the daytime, but we're closed up for the night. I know, but, but I was wondering if you could possibly let me have a cup of coffee, black coffee. No, not this time of night, mister. My wife's the cook. She's in bed. No, no, no. Don't shut the door. Please listen. 
Just a minute ago, just a minute ago, there was a man standing here, right beside this stand. A suspicious looking man. You see, I was driving along when I just happened to look, and there he was. What was he doing? Well, well, nothing. You've been taking a nip. That's what you've been doing. Now on your way before I call out Sheriff Oaks. I got into the car again and drove on slowly. I was beginning to hate the car. If I could have found a place to stop, to rest a little. I was in the Ozark Mountains of Missouri now. The few resort places that were closed. Only an occasional log cabin, seemingly deserted. That's all that broke the monotony of the wild, wooded landscape. I had seen him on that roadside stand. I knew I'd see him again. Maybe at the next turn of the road. I knew that when I saw him next, I would run him down. But I didn't see him again. I didn't see him until late next afternoon. I'd stopped the car at a sleepy little junction, just across the border in Oklahoma, to let a train pass by when he appeared across the tracks, leaning against the telephone pole. A perfectly airless dry day, the red clay of Oklahoma was baking under the southwestern sun, yet there were spots of fresh rain on his shoulders. I couldn't stand that. Without thinking, blindly, I started the car across the tracks. He didn't even look up at me. He was staring at the ground. I stepped on the gas hard, veering the wheel sharply toward him. I could hear the train in the distance now, but I didn't care. Then, something went wrong with the car. The train was coming closer. I could hear its bell ringing and the cry of its whistle. Still, he stood there. Now I knew that he was beckoning, beckoning me to my death. Well, I frustrated him that time. The starter worked at last. I managed to back up. When the train passed, he was gone. I was all alone in the hot, dry afternoon. After that, I knew I had to do something. I didn't know who this man was or what he wanted of me. I only knew that from now on, I mustn't let myself alone on the road for one minute. Uh, hello there. Like a ride? Well, what do you think? How far are you going? Uh, where do you want to go? Amarillo, Texas. I'll drive you there. Gee. Uh, you mind if I take off my shoes? My dogs are killing me. Go right ahead. Oh, gee, what a break this is. Hitchhike much? Sure. Only it's tough sometimes in these great open spaces to get the brakes. Yeah, I should think it would be, though. I'll bet you get a good pickup in a fast car. If you did, you can get places faster than, say, another person in another car, couldn't you? I don't get you. Well, take me, for instance. Suppose um, I'm driving across the country, say at a nice steady clip, about 45 miles an hour. Couldn't, couldn't a girl like you just standing beside the road waiting for a lift beat me to town for any, or any town, provided she got picked up every time in a car doing from 65 to 70 miles an hour? I don't know. What difference does it make? Oh, no difference. It's just a crazy idea I had sitting here in the car. Oh, imagine spending your time in a swell car thinking of things like that. What would you do instead? What would I do? If I was a good-looking fellow like yourself? Why, I'd just enjoy myself every minute of the time. I'd sit back and relax. And if I saw a good-looking girl along the side of the road... <gasps> hey! Look out! Did you see him too? See who? That man! Sta standing beside the barbed wire fence! I didn't see anybody. I, 
It was nothing but a bunch of cows and a wire fence. No. What'd you think you were doing? Trying to run for the barbed wire fence? There was a man there. A man there, I tell you. A thin gray man with an overnight bag in his hand, and I I was trying to run him down. Run him down? You mean kill him? You say you didn't see him back there? Are you sure? I didn't see his soul, as far as that's concerned. Watch for him the next time. Keep watching. Keep your eyes peeled on that road. He'll turn up again. Maybe any minute now. Look! There! Look there! How does this door work? I'm getting out of here. Did you see him that time? No, I didn't see him that time. And personally, mister, I don't expect to ever see him. All I want to do is go on living. I don't see how I I will very long driving with you. Oh, oh I'm sorry. I, I didn't... I didn't, I didn't know what came over me. Please don't go. So, if you'll excuse me. You can't. Listen, how would you like to go to California? I'll drive you to California. Seeing pink elephants all the way? No, thanks. Uh-uh. Thanks just the same. Listen, please, just, just one minute, please. You know what I think you need, big boy? Not a girlfriend. Just a good old dose of sleep. Please. There. I got it now. Now you can't go. Please. Leave your hands off of me, you hear? Leave your hands off of me. She ran for me, as though I were a monster. A few minutes later, I saw a passing truck pick her up. I knew then that I was utterly alone. I was in the heart of the great Texas prairies. There wasn't a car on the road after that truck went by. I tried to figure out what to do. I had to get a hold of myself. If I could find a place to rest, or even if I could sleep right here in the car for just a few hours along the side of the road, I was getting my winter overcoat out of the back seat to use as a blanket when when I saw him coming towards me, emerging from the herd of a moving steer. Hello? Hello? Maybe I should have spoken to him then. Fought it out then and there. For now he began to be everywhere. Wherever I stopped, even for a moment, for gas, for oil, for a drink of pop, a cup of coffee, sandwich, he was there. I saw him standing outside the auto camp in Amarillo that night when I dared to slow down. He was sitting next to me, the drinking fountain of a little camping spot, just inside the border of New Mexico. He was waiting for me outside the Navajo reservation when I stopped to check my tires. I saw him in Albuquerque when I bought 20 gallons of gas. I was, I was afraid to stop now. I began to drive faster and faster. I was, I was in a lunar landscape now, the, the great arid mesa country of New Mexico. I drove through it with the indifference of a fly crawling over the face of the moon. Now he didn't even wait for me to stop unless I drove 85 miles an hour over those endless roads. He waited for me at every other mile. I'd see his figure, shadowless, flitting before me. Still in its same attitude over the cold, lifeless ground. Flitting over the dried up rivers over broken stones cast up by old glacial upheavals, flitting in that pure, cloudless air. I was beside myself when I finally reached Gallup, New Mexico this morning. There was an auto camp here, cold, almost deserted this time of year. I went inside and asked if there was a telephone. I had the feeling that if only I could speak to someone familiar, someone I loved, I could pull myself together. Call, please. Long distance. Long distance, certainly. This is long distance. I, I'd like to put in a call to my home in Brooklyn, New York. I'm Ronald Adams. Um, the number is Beechwood, 20828. Certainly. I'll get it for you. Albuquerque. 
New York for Gallup. New York. Gallup. New Mexico. Calling Beachwood. 20828. I'd read somewhere that love could banish demons. It was in the middle of the morning. I knew my mother'd be home. I pictured her tall and white-haired, and her crisp house dress going about her tasks. It'd be enough, I thought, just to hear the calmness in her voice. Will you please deposit $3.85 for the first three minutes? When you have deposited a dollar and a half, will you wait until I have collected the money? All right, deposit another dollar and a half. Will you please deposit the remaining 85 cents? Ready with Brooklyn. Go ahead, please. Mrs. Adams' residence. Hello, hello, mother? This is Mrs. Adams' residence. Who is it you wish to speak to, please? What? Who's this? This is Mrs. Whitney. Mrs. Whitney? I I don't know any Mrs. Whitney. Is this Beechwood 20828? Where's my mother? Where's Mrs. Adams? Mrs. Adams is not at home. She's still in the hospital. The hospital? Yes. Who is this calling, please? Is it a member of the family? What? What's, what's she in the hospital for? She's been prostrated for five days. Nervous breakdown. But who is this calling? Nervous breakdown? My mother was never nervous. It's all taken place since the death of her oldest son, Ronald. De- death of her... Her oldest son, Ronald? Hey, what is this? What number is this? This is Beechwood, 20828. It's all been very sudden. He was killed just six days ago in an automobile accident on the Brooklyn Bridge. Your three minutes are up, sir. Your three minutes are up, sir. Your three minutes are up, sir. And so, so I'm sitting here in this deserted auto camp in Gallup, New Mexico. I'm trying to think, trying to get hold of myself. Otherwise, I, I, I'm going to go crazy. Outside, it's night. The vast, soulless night of New Mexico. A million stars are in the sky ahead of me, stretch a thousand miles of empty mesa, mountains, prairies, desert. Somehow among them, he's waiting for me. Somewhere I shall know who he is and who I am. Thank you for listening to WPSC's adaptation of The Hitchhiker, featuring David Manhurst as Ronald Adams, Heather Cook as Mrs. Adams and Operator 3, Kyle Cook as the hitchhiker, gas attendant, and storekeeper, Brittany Onstad as the woman and Operator 2, and Ashley Ronquillo as Operator 1 and Miss Whitney. Edited by Kyle Cook and assisted editing by David Manhurst. From William Patterson University, we are WPSC.